I believe Tony is fetching your motor car now. To ensure your safety as you listen to this podcast, be sure to stay seated, keeping your hands, arms, feet, and legs inside while the podcast is in motion. And supervise children. Yeah! <laughs> I can't see that. Are you trying to do the, the bailiff's laugh? No, well, oh, no, actually, I was... <laughs> it's a barrister? No, I wasn't even going to do anything from the right. I was trying to do the headless horseman's laugh. Oh! Oh! Oh, that's right. Hold on, hold on. I think uh, I'm going to have to back up for this one. Oh, goodness. Because I'm in a big room. Here we go. Okay, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That was, that was, that was so worth it. (laughs) Thanks, thanks, I guess. (laughs) I can take it out of you. I'm sure. (laughs) That was impressive, though. Uh, So welcome to Anna Musings. Um... I, uh, wow. Yeah. I'm a little blown away. Me too. <laughs> I, I, I am Kayla. I'm David. And I'm Nick. And, uh, and we're going to talk about the last package film. I am so freaking excited. Woo! You have no idea. Yeah. I'm so excited. You have no idea. Yeah. This is going to be, this is going to be rad. So, First of all, though, we should probably make sure introductions are in order. Uh, so, uh, welcome to the show. I know we already introduced our, our good friend, Nick Barbera. Hello, everyone. I am Nick Barbera. I will do this really quickly. I am the creator of the Haunted Mansion show, which you can find on micechat.com. I am also the creator of a Disney podcast called Main Street Station, a walk through the Disney parks, which you can find on YouTube. I also have my own couple of YouTube channels in which I just can do whatever I find fancy, uh, whether it be audio production or uh, voiceover work or story writing or anything in between. Would you so, say Would you, you say it's fun and fancy free? Oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but the real reason we're bringing him onto this is because he has a – well, first off um... – you, you do have a couple unusual connections to one of the stories we're covering in tonight's uh... – <laughs> in tonight's episode i do yeah um so for their sake i was ichabod crane in the legend of sleepy hollow episode of midnight marinara Mm -hmm. and if that wasn't enough about a good few years later which was last year as of this recording Mm -hmm. last halloween rather I played Ichabod Crane for Sleepy Hollow's haunted attraction, Horseman's Hollow. <laughs> so with the uh, with the nose and everything, it was it was amazing. It was a fun experience. I'm sure it was. That that I I envy that a little bit. Getting to play Ichabod <laughs> and scare people. That's awesome. Oh, oh by the I, way, guys, if you haven't guessed, we're actually reviewing um, the Hounds of Baskerville. So. Oh yeah, which explains why Basil Rathbone is in this. Exactly. No, uh, so, uh, we're reviewing uh, 1949's uh, The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Which leads you to believe that these two characters are going to meet up and have an adventure, but that's not actually what happens. Not even. That's actually. That's actually what I thought as a kid, because there was there was a VHS cover where it was the two of them like walking down a road together, like looking at each other, like yeah, we're about to go on an adventure. Then it's like two separate stories. So <laughs> there's that. Yep. Anyway. So, no, you're good. You're good. So uh, shall I give the background for this? Let's get a little background. Uh, Go ahead. So the background actually occurred 11 years before this. Oh, um, really? Well. You gotta realize a lot of these uh, ideas 
came about before the <clears throat> writer strike and then uh, World War Two. Right. I remember when we watched The Reluctant Dragon, we actually saw maquettes in the Disney Workshop for um, like Peter as first films like Cinderella and even Peter Pan. Yeah, and that doesn't happen until the fifties. So yeah. Uh, so in 1938, uh, James, uh, uh, I'm going to butcher the name, Badrero and Campbell Grant pitched uh, to Walt Disney the idea of making uh, The Wind in the Willows, a uh, animated feature. And they thought, well, there's anthropomorphic animals that would be only done by animation. Surprisingly, Disney thought this was corny, but he, he acquired the rights. <laughs> um, so in 1941, uh, Wind in the Willows started beginning um and uh production was nearly complete and then guess what happens uh the writer's strike oh that's right writer's strike. strike that's the animator one. strike sorry oh animator strike well a strike happened yes strike so. happened strike one <laughs> exactly so of course everybody had to scale back production sucked uh um, so when Disney, later on when they were, uh, going back to the film and Disney reviewed it, he realized, oh, this quality is really low. This won't survive on the market. So it wasn't until like 1946 that, um, they actually were beginning a new animated feature, which is, uh, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. And then in 47, Disney decided to pair the two together as a package film. So, because neither was really that long enough to be its own feature film. Yeah. Which is interesting, too, because, like, um, well, this is, I really want to stress how relieving it is that we are on the final package film. But, my goodness, mm -hmm. um, I'll say this right off, right off the bat. This one goes out with a bang, because I think this, of all of them, is my favorite. And you're not the only one, actually. Same so here. So you know how like the package films, they were all like eh, mediocre reviews or like mixed reviews? Yeah. This was positive. Yeah. Like this gained a lot of positive reviews. It actually earned a million six hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. Wow. Uh, in uh, worldwide rentals. Hmm. Uh, mm. And then not only that, it actually won uh, best cinematography color for uh, yeah for Golden Globe. Really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this was this was a very successful film, and of course contributed to later films. Yeah, it's interesting to see how these yeah. package films help buoy the the company. And this is the one that feels the most complete, like a like it could have been they could have been features. Instead, you're getting these two short, really detailed, really fun story driven ones instead of these instead of a mishmash of shorts. Which again has been it's nice. Don't get me wrong, I enjoy the shorts and I enjoy the sort of vignette uh you know uh package you know the package films to a degree but to have two longer co coherent stories for a change has been a really nice change of pace mm -hmm. yeah yeah um but i guess we despite the fact that this movie is called the adventures of ichabod and mr toad we don't actually start with ichabod even though he's the first character <laughs> yeah. do we want to do we want to oh i have a fun factoid about this actually go for it all right um, although go. i might i might wait till we get to the portion where we talk about uh the legend of sleepy hollow let's wait until then let's start all with right the... then yes. yeah let's do it in order okay so 
Um, opening credits, uh, we already see a lot of familiar names. We see the nine old men. We see Of Iwerks was involved in this one. Yay. Uh, mm-hmm. Claude Coates, Mark Davis, just... Uh, oh, uh, Mary, uh... Mary Blair. Harvey Mary Blair, Jones. yes. Yeah, just a whole bevy of, of classic, of classic hosts. Ward Kimball. Mm-hmm. Just Mark, yeah. Oh, yeah. You already said Mark Davis. Yeah, you can. I, I definitely get a. I, you, I definitely get the the Davis vibe from some of these Same. these character designs. Same. Um, yeah. But then we go into what I presume is a library or a study. I'm gonna go with either or. What do you think, Nick? It's a lie study. It's a study that lies to you. Exactly. <laughs> We're looking at bookshelves. Is the point? Yeah. But uh, are we? Yes. Here? Uh, we are uh, basically... and this is live action. I like it. it. There's it's framed as we zoom into like a, a stained glass window of like a candle and an open book. Mm-hmm. It's like that was uh-huh. depicted in it. I remember that sticking in my brain as a as a kid. Yeah. That image. And yeah. So like the parts in between are live action when it's like in the library, but then as soon as we delve into the story, it's animated. It reminds me of the yeah. opening book from way back in Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, actually. Yeah, yeah, and th- I mean they will continue that later on. They'll. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, we are first uh, in, uh, enchanted by the lovely voice of Basil Rathbone. Basil Rathbone. That, yes, Basil Rathbone, for those uh, who don't know, years ago he was most successful for playing Sherlock Holmes. Indeed. he. Um, I think he was in more, um, if I remember, a lot of the adaptations of um, Arthur Conan Doyle's work at the time put Sherlock in an almost modern setting. Because I distinctly remember there was a couple where he punched Nazis. But that could just be my yes. memory. <laughs> right. I think, I, think I, I might have seen those same ones. <laughs> so before Sherlock, the before BBC's, uh, you know, BBC Sherlock did it, had Sherlock Holmes in the modern day. Basil Rathbone was Sherlock Holmes in the modern day. <laughs> <laughs> I could be wrong yeah. about that. I will fully admit I could be wrong about that, but it's interesting. But then again, when Arthur Conan Doyle wrote his, Sherlock Holmes is also in the modern day. So, what am I saying? So, uh, so, so basically, Basil Rathbone begins, like, who do you think is the most uh, famous character in all of literature? And then he lists some characters. He's like, I think it's Mr. Toad. I'm like, I think you're wrong. He gloss- <laughs> He mentions Sherlock Holmes among these characters he lists from British yeah. literature. And, he, and it's, it's funny because I'm like, you, you just know that they did that deliberately because they had Basil Rathbone in there. Yeah, I also, um, before we go on, actually, while we're on that uh, specific part, this is another tidbit uh, in terms of the Disney animated history that I think would be interesting for those who'd like to know. Uh, Amongst um, Sherlock Holmes and Mr. Toad, he also mentions Oliver Twist, Robin Hood, and King Arthur, and those would all become Disney movies later on. That is true, actually. I hadn't thought about that, but you are absolutely right. Those are he's like previewing what's coming next in the canon. Yeah. It's kinda like in Pinocchio when you see um Alice in Wonderland and Peter Pan on the book spines in the beginning. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, That's right. Kind of like that. We noticed that when we watched Pinocchio as well. Come to think yeah. of it. Yeah. You know what's interesting too is like um, we never do get a Disney Sherlock Holmes, but we do get the Great Mouse Detective, yeah, which is the, yes. next, the next closest thing. Which same thing, same I, thing for Oliver Twist with Oliver and Company. Yeah, uh-huh, okay, uh-huh. It, it's going to be a long time coming, and I know this. But yeah. God, I cannot wait to do the Great Mouse Detective. You have no idea. Anyway, anyway oh yeah, back to this, back to Basil of Peter Street. Um, yeah. Anyway, just figured I'd put that out there. So we're introduced to the Wind in the Willows. 
and uh, how Basil Rathbone is apparently a big fan of J. Thaddeus Toad is one of literature's great characters. <laughs> I have to respectfully disagree with Mr. Rathbone <laughs> here. But... Yeah, I could, uh, now I've actually read Wind in the Willows, like the original. Book. Oh, I have. Um, mm-hmm. Kenneth Graham, for the for those of you who don't know, and I remember how how deep and like weirdly introspective that it whole is. novel is. It really is, and it's like because there it's not. Uh, this is a much smaller. Uh, it's I, not the most. Here's the thing. It's not the most faithful adaptation. No, but it holds true to at least it because because for one in when in the willows toad was not necessarily the main character no he wasn't oh. uh we we really mostly follow um uh moly and uh and rat, rat. Yeah. specifically uh, spe- yeah specifically those two and they're, they're in the short and they're prominent but they're not this is more more toad centric than the novel yeah was. <laughs> So, yeah, okay. Mr. Toad was kind of the comedic side guy in the book, and then we get to see just how fabulous he is in this one. Mm-hmm. He so, is pretty fabulous. Well, he's okay. <laughs> so, okay, let's begin with story. So we're introduced to Molly and Miss uh, and Ratty, um, and McBadger, and McBadger. Uh, basically, um, Molly and Ratty's uh, presence is requested at a uh, Toad Hall by McBadger. Because McBadger is having a hell of a time dealing with all the bills that uh, J. Thaddeus Toad has built up because he's gone into motor mania or, like, basically has become obsessed with, like, all different forms of transportation. He, he builds new manias all the time. But when the latest fad comes along, he just blows his, his fortune on every yeah. thing. And then ruins everything and now people are banging on his doors like... Pay us back, and he's like, "We have the money, but t- giving time." Destruction or hen house? Or hen house? Hen house. But I'm not gonna lie, the way that J. Thaddeus Toad is portrayed in this is amazing. It really I is. I love his character so no, much. It is. So anyway, um, yes, Mr. Toad it was played by Eric Blore. Who was in? Um, who was pretty much a, a comic English actor. He's been in a lot of stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, uh So he plays Mister Toad, and the way he does it is this really crazy, eccentric, um, mania crazed personality. That anytime he comes on screen, there's a whole bunch of level of excitement, and it's really fun to listen to him talk whenever he comes on. He's, he's very absorbed in his whatever sort of manias possess him, which is very interesting. Um, yeah. And he plays it so well. In fact, um, after um, one of the things that, that gets brought up early on is, that's a big plot point is how important Toad Hall is. Not just Toad is the only person who doesn't really seem to care about Toad Hall. Everybody mm-hmm. else does, though, because the animals of the riverbank, they think it gives them an air of um, respectability. Is yes. that right, Kayla? Yes. Okay. So for them, if anything were to happen to Toad Hall or to Toad, and then by that by proxy Toad Hall, suddenly it's a big blow to the river community. So, mm. um, so that that's why they're they're busting their chops trying to get things in order with Toad. And of course, Toad. Meanwhile, we get the first scene with him, where he's riding around in a gypsy cart being pulled by uh, Cyril. Cyril. Uh, the horse. Yes, but uh, he had a, he had a oh, last name. Uh, lo- oh God! Uh, p- Proudbottom. 
Cyril Proudbottom, yes. That's it. Oh. Cyril Proudbottom. Because I remember watching <laughs> with you, and I was like, that is an amazing name. Yeah, it really is. Cyril Proudbottom. Just the way they announce it. <laughs> We're getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> we, get, we get the first, uh, the first, uh, well, the first song in the, in the movie, and the only mm. real song, and well, that's not true. The only real, well, actually, yeah, the only real song in this, uh, in this particular section of the film. Yeah. Uh, and that would be merrily, 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 merrily on our way to nowhere in particular. To nowhere in particular. Yes. This is a good, this is a good song. Yes. I Catch love it. this song so much. <laughs> it, it, it's just so much fun. And then Cyril and Toad actually have a great repertoire together. Yeah. That would chemistry. The anime, also, I should mention, the animation has taken a turn for the better again. Wouldn't you say, Cam? Yeah. yeah, actually, yeah. The animation in this has really stepped up. I now with uh, when we get into Ichabod's story, I think the animation that is much better than Wind in the Willows. Uh huh. But this is still really good. It's still, yeah. it, It's very fluid. It actually you like there's details in the in the artwork. And it it moves beautifully. I think that's the thing with this animation. The movement is incredible. It is fast paced and it's yeah. so much fun. It's fluid and it's a, it's madcap and fun. Just like uh, well, the scene with Mr. Toad himself. It's all sunny and bright. All the colors are very pastoral. It's very cool. Yeah. And uh, to to go off of the connection between um, Toad and Cyril. It's really interesting to see because in the original book, um, the, the, it has the horse and cart, but it was just a horse that they just that he just found, and he <laughs> doesn't really talk, and he just drives the cart along. Um, but with with the Disney version, it's very interesting to see a character that's kind of more or less on the same page as Toad is, because. Um, Everybody else, when they interact with Toad, they're just all like, what are you doing? You're screwing things up, blah, blah, blah. But with Cyril, he's the only one that understands Toad and his craziness and stuff like that. So there's never a moment where they're opposed to one another or like they have an argument or anything like that. They're pretty much the only best friends in this um, – in terms of Toad's craziness, they get each other. Yeah, so. he he's 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 a bad influence on Toad in the best possible way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I like yeah, I like this detail. I like that Cyril is a character. I like that he's got a very sort of like, he's almost got he's almost got a Cockney accent. Yeah. Why you know, yeah. Gaffner? You know that yeah, sort of thing. I think, yeah, Cyril has that definitely Cockney accent. Um, where Toad is almost like just a foot in that cockney accent not completely yeah <laughs> hello gentlemen he's such yeah. a uh oh uh, yeah they, they almost so they're doing this this great song and all these fun animation bits that go along with that and, and of course he almost runs out over ratty and toe or ratty and Molly. yep and yeah. then it is almost killed by a motor car but that almost death experience Experience makes him want a motor car. He literally loses his pants trying to get away from uh, Ratty and Molly, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're, they're, you have Toad. This has to stop. I love how stuffy uh, Rat is in this. Yeah. 
But um, but yeah, they nearly get hit by a a, a motor car, and then. This yeah. is a good bit when when Toad the the expression on Toad's face when he sees this car is amazing. Oh just my that, god! Just that like that look of like just kind of like serene wonder on his face as he's watching this car go, <laughs> and then he starts chugging and puffing and bouncing around pretending to be a motor car. And he's gone. He's gone again. He's gone. He's he's fallen deep into the mania. Mm-hmm. And we get to see uh, how he works when he. <laughs> we get to see how he works when he finds a new mania. Yeah, and a, uh, which is important. No, definitely. And then it plays the music that you would typically hear in Hell and Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Yes. Yeah. By the way, by the way, for those who ever went on Mr. Toad's, yes, Gracie. Uh, sorry, she she snorted, so I think she wanted to contribute. So I, I agree with you, Gracie. Yes. I agree with that. Me too. Uh, anyway, so if any of you have been on Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, spoilers, the <laughs> yes, David, uh, there the ending involves Mr. Toad basically crashing his car into a train, and then y- you go to hell. Like, yep. the ending is completely in hell, which is kind of like a what the... It's a very abrupt ending, because you don't even know, like, you you just, you drove your motor car, and, and now you're in hell. And then, now, those who probably yeah. never saw the movie was like, oh, this must be from the... Nope. Nothing like it should Yeah. Up. Yeah, we're and... not just, we're not just saying that either. You literally end up in hell. Mr. Toad's Wild in, Ride in, is my in... favorite Fantasyland dark ride. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People always get in line for hours for Peter Pan. I'm like, man, I'm just, no, I'm going to go on Mr. Toad and pretend I'm just freewheeling. It's the one Fantasyland ride where you are the character. You're Toad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that directly, because, I mean, yeah, you know what? Yeah, you're directly (laughs) Mr. Toad because you're in a car and you're just going nuts in a car. Yeah. It's uh, so good. Yeah. I wish I wish it was still at Walt Disney World, but alas. It's still at Disneyland. Yeah. But for how much longer? Yes, I know. We got to ride it again, hun. I mean, I'm, no, I mean, I'm, that's always a concern is that what well, if. It, it, you know what? Other than Peter Pan, that has the second longest ride. Right. That's the second longest ride compared to But we're living in the Iger era, and he's probably going to be like, uh, no one, Mr. Toad is not relevant to people. We need to make it. Uh, uh, I don't know. What's a, What's an IP that they could lazily slap on it? I have no idea. But right now, let's just I'm be re- happy it's still there. Yeah. yeah. I'm really, I'm really scared now. <laughs> let's put a frozen ride in. Worked it. Worked it. Epcot. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm very bitter about the need to, to get rid of old stuff. Like, yeah. I mean, Mr. Toad's. Yeah. Anyway, the movie. Let's talk about. Yes. yes. <laughs> Sorry, they throw Toad in a room. They take him back to Toad Hall and they lock him in a room, and he's desperate to get out. By the way, I noticed something about this room. What? It's, what? The furniture is a lot bigger than Toad. Yeah, I found that interesting. Like, well, okay, here's the cool part about the movie. I gotta give props for this. Ever the characters are anthropomorphic, but they're the exact size they're supposed to be. Well, with the exception of Ratty, but uh, yeah. Which, I, he he must be one big rat. But... He's a, no, rats can get pretty big, so he's just a big rat. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. But yeah, they're all like, there's humans in the world, and the humans are much more significantly bigger than them, which is kind of yeah. interesting. <laughs> yeah, all the all the animals are to scale in this in this story. 
And uh, and the um and it's interesting because like the animals and people live in pretty easy coexistence apparently. Yeah, they they actually live in a coexistent world. There's not like any it doesn't seem like there's any prejudice in this world between the two. They're just like when the early on when the police or when the postman comes to Ratty's door and gives him the invitation from McBadger to go to Toad Hall. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's I, you know this would have been a cool world to like like delve into if they gave it more time cuz yeah. cuz they could have dealt with like what are what is the what is the structure between this world especially if human and animals are living together but in a way it, that it, they coexist peacefully is has it always been peaceful is there a social class structure <laughs> at the end sorry <laughs> well i mean no that's interesting cuz like the fact that the animals care so much about Toad Hall is like, well, we're not used to having and this really austere example of like richness in our community. And so this is the stuff we were missing in the previous package. Trails, having these weird theory discussions. I'm loving this. So, yeah. So Toad Hall <laughs> is so important because it shows the human mucky mucks that 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 animals can make it too. And there it is a a maybe it could be a social case thing where they're like, you could say all animals are lo are are lower our lower class, but look at Toad Hall. That's owned by a, an animal family, a prestigious yeah. one at that. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Too bad the heir apparent is a reckless maniac. Yeah. yeah, no kidding. And guess what happens? He gets arrested. Yes. I but bet you're wondering how he gets arrested. Well, well. They, <laughs> they tell us in a couple of ways. Uh, first of all, we see him sneak out of the of Toad Hall in the middle of the night, and then bam! Before you know it, the headline reads that Toad is arrested for stealing a motor car. And then we cut to the scene in court, where the following trial will be taking place. This is a good scene, um, and uh, obviously Toad's Toad's poor beleaguered friends are there, um, and they're all there. I mean, I think I pretty sure that Ratty and McBadger automatically doubt him, but Molly's a little bit more willing to, like, lean in on the fact that maybe Toad has been framed. Yeah. Where there's a big misunderstanding. But Toad is... Toad seems pretty confident that he can clear his own name. Um, mm. We get a, we get two courtroom characters that stand out. There's the judge and the, the barrister. The counsel... The counsel for the crown. <laughs> Um, now, every, now, when you see this character, the the um, the barrister, he's um, yeah. he he's the character you see in Mr. Toad's Wild Ride all the time, but he's mistakenly said he's a judge. He is not a judge. He is just a barrister. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, he's got the powdered wig and the black outfit, but that's very traditional. But you gotta realize you got a bunch of Americans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they they are not gonna get. Oh yeah, he's a barrister. You also see him in hell, though. You see a devil version of him in hell. That's right. Not in this movie, but in the ride. Yeah. He's like, guilty! Thank you, that is all. And then He's turn the corner and get hit by the train, and basically you see him as a devil. Yeah. Was Toad in that ride sentenced to be executed by train? No. Or did he just happen to drive through into jail, and then in jail there happened to be a train? I have a... I never thought of it that way before. Oh, oh my no, God. I, 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 <laughs> my theory Jesus if, Christ. We continue, if you can if we continue on in the story i do have a theory okay all right continue on in this story or in the sorry if we continue on with the movie itself i have a theory where it goes 
to another direction. Okay. All right. Then, then let's so, let's uh, press on. Yeah, okay. go ahead, Kayla. So we're in so we're in court right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cyril comes in, says what happens, which is in rhyme. In rhyme too. Uh, they they go to a bar. They see they said whose car is that? I want to buy it. And he's like, well, it's my car. And Toady, who's a dumbass, trades Toad Hall for that car. <laughs> yeah. Now, it's interesting because the car, when it pulls up, it's a big, nice red motor car, and it's being driven by half a dozen weasels. Which, yes. it's, you know, it's funny, like, the more we talk about this, the more I think about uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Do you think... That yeah. this movie is responsible for making the weasels be prominent characters in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, they are. It, oh, it's definitely. Actually, it's actually proven. It, it has. It actually is said that they were the weasels from this section were a major inspiration. They basically are those characters. So when not, yeah. so when not being in this, the weasels from Wind of the Willows would go on to be the Weasel Gang. From Hugh Fraser, Roger Rabbit. Yeah, <laughs> pretty you know, much. The, yeah. You know, the interesting part is like we were talking about like social cases in this world. Who Framed Roger Rabbit actually touches upon that very well. You know, we're gonna have to talk about Who Framed oh, Roger Rabbit yeah. on this show eventually. Oh yeah. And, I mean, it's not yeah. officially a Walt Disney Animation Studios production, but, but that is gonna be an Animation Plus. I we will. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, it, it has to be talked about. It, oh, it yeah. really has to. Oh, for sure. Um, I do want to. I do want to point out though. What's interesting is that uh, uh, Cyril automatically points out that weasels are generally suspicious characters, and yes. it, they, it shows. There, he the one weasel like shoots to the door, whistles, a bunch of eyes appear under the the car seat, and then weasels duck into there, making sure that they're not being followed. And when yeah. Toad comes in and asks uh, Winky, the barman, about the car, they all duck under the table nervously. One of them grabs their hat. <laughs> out of the air and they all produce pistols a bunch of pistols peer, come out from under the table like, I, re I really love the animation on the weasels because they are just they're literally so quick because they're like um because then a bit later one like when toad offers the trade a weasel rushes over in the wink of an eye and he like shakes his hand he turns winks to another weasel the weasel lifts his hat. Like, he doesn't use his hand, but the hat lifts itself away from his face. He winks. <laughs> the hat goes back down. Uh, that weasel places his toad at the end of the table, then bam, he goes back. <laughs> so good. The weasel, yeah, everything the weasels do is moving in, like, super quick. Like, they snap here, they snap there kind of, like, yeah. way. And there's a blur in between. It's very good. The animation here is very funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we go back to the court case. Um, Winky comes up as a reference, and Toad's like, "Yes, he's an honest gentleman." Like, and he's like stepping out of the he's, court. He's it's curling his mustache. Like Toad is confident he's gonna he's gonna be out of there. And then Winky's the judge like, shakes oh. his hand. Winky's like, "Oh yeah, that's a car you stole." And then it's like, "Nope, he's going to jail now." Prison. Cyril jumps to Toad's defense right away. Oh, I love the way, by the way, the barrister gets at everybody's faces. Oh, yeah. Asks them really yeah. intense questions. And then, when, the, especially with Badger, well, I am. That is all. Thank you. <laughs> um, but um, it is important to note that Cyril immediately jumps to Toad's defense, saying how Winky's lying. Cyril is good friend. Cyril is, of all of these characters, Cyril is the truest friend. Yeah. Of really? all of them. I'm sorry, but no. Yeah, Mole is kind. Mole is kind of leaning there, but he's always told no. And with Cyril, it was 
like, no, no, I'm your best friend, you know. He even acknowledges that early on. He's just like, your friends seem to be a bit on the stiffy side, you know. Oh, yeah, I love the bit. We didn't talk about this where they're, where Ratty's trying to lecture Toad and Toad keeps, like, covering his non-existent ears. But every time he lifts his hand, his hands, it muffles everything that the audience hears, so the sound is all diegetic. So he folds him up and down, and it's like, there's this beast. <laughs> so good. Uh, so yeah, Cyril and Cyril is the, they're the power couple in this one, Cyril. And, the power uh, couple. <laughs> well, think about it. So the next, so Toad is, is confident he's going to get out of there, but he's, they close the door, everything turns into Dutch angles, oh. and then... He's arrested. The headlines say they try to appeal. His friends appeal again and again, but it's it, toad, the case is closed, and he is locked in the tower. I and it's yeah. so it's funny because it's like he's in a tower with like the the shackle and ball, and then it's, it's like, Christmas Eve. It's Christmas Eve. Yeah. And he's like, "Yo, grandmother, say grandma," and then oh, yeah. dressed it's in drag. Cyril. It's Cyril dressed up. See, none of the others did that. Yeah, they all. Cyril, Cyril is the truest friend. Cyril a, is a great A bro. Yeah. Yeah. And then he brings him drag to give to Toady so he can escape. That's so sweet. And even though when he escapes, everybody's freaking out, and now Toad's so on the run, like shit, shit, shit. Yeah, they never do. Like, they are full on manhunt for this Toad or Toad hunt, I should say. <laughs> it's pretty intense how much they snap into like riding through these. On bicycles, the whole city's on alert. Searchlights go everywhere. Um, we uh, don't uh, see how Toad escapes. Somehow he uses the disguise to escape, but we never see it. But it's a new mania, as Basil Rathbone points out. It's a new mania, so he's super into it. And it is known as escape. And and then in this scene where Toad is escaping the police, Oliver Wallace Oliver Wallace's music just reigns supreme. Oh yes, like I, the music's so intense, like. Like it's so sharp, it is intense, it's action packed. Like it really gets you going. It gets you on the edge of your seat. Like I hope don't mix out of this, you know. Yeah, my favorite part in this scene, though, and especially I'm glad you mentioned the music, is when Toad steals the locomotive. Yes. He... Okay, this is the part I wanted to say. I think this when he's escaping, I think he gets another motor car and is trying to get towards the train and actually runs into it oh you mean in the oh you mean in the ride yeah Yeah. i think because there's a point where you hear like he's escaped and then then it gets to the train part but in this cart part he actually escapes on the train i love when he's on the train by the way this is my this is my favorite part of the whole thing he has a big smile on his face (laughs) He's having a blast right now. Well, it, we were we were genuinely laughing because every time it shows the police, like he takes off, another train immediately pulls up. They all jump on it and start chasing him, and they're just <laughs> they're just following him, shooting into the air wildly with their their pistols. And it's the music is so manic, and I love yeah, this yeah, part. Yeah. It's such a triumphant like escape scene. <laughs> and Toad is doing a whole bunch of stuff on the train too. He's like shoving coal into the furnace. Mm-hmm. He's waving hello to the police. He's even he's even like hiding behind and like pretending to shoot back at them by going bang bang bang. It's so funny. <laughs> this part this part is a is actually laugh out loud funny. I actually yeah, yeah. we were both like laughing really hard during this because it, it kind of was like it's like a Keystone Cop type of 
uh, scenario. <laughs> Actually, yeah, this would have happened after the Keystone Cops anyway. So I yeah. think there's no yeah. doubt it probably was inspired by that. Yeah. Um, oh, Toad had a ball, the ball and chain on his leg the whole time. Yeah. He, he oh, was yeah. using it as a bustle when he was the in the lady's disguise. And then it keeps it, it kind of gave him away when it fell out he of his... He keeps using it to help him like swing him to different... Yeah, he, he takes great advantage of that ball and chain. He <laughs> jumps... So they come to a bridge, and he jumps off the bridge, and and he's laughing that he's been able to elude the police because he lands in the bottom of the of the river. And then yeah. he realizes, oh no, I'm underwater. I'm like, but you're a frog. <laughs> Can't you hold your breath for a while? Well, well apparently he makes it because. But it looks ominous because he's trying to reach up for a tree branch, but you just see his hands reaching out of the water, and the camera yeah. pans away across this foggy river, and you're just like. Oh, so we're just going to leave Toad to die then. Okay. Yeah, that creeped me out as a kid. Like, yeah. It was really scary. Oh, man. Um, but, but yeah, so then the camera pans over to uh, Rat and Mole's place, and they are um, having uh, – they're saying grace around the table for their – uh, Basil Rathbone mentions good Christian charity. Yes. And I think to myself, you know, it's interesting. The animals are just as subjected to that as the people. I guess I guess it's possible for the animals to be Christian as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, God bless us, everybody. Yeah. He does say that, basically. Yep. Ratty does say that when he's saying grace. Um, and it's interesting because it mentions that um, even in Christmas that all the other animals have kind of like... Um, They've kind of made Toad a uh, a taboo subject. They don't want to talk about him. He's an embarrassment. Yeah. But they still think of him even during this time. So. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a good moment because it makes you think, oh, they're not so, um, like, uh, stuck up about Toad after all. Like, you know, in the end, he's still, like, a pretty good friend to them. Yeah. He, he brought excitement into their lives when he was there. And obviously... Yeah. It's it's good to be friends with the richest animal in the river, even if mm-hmm. he's even if he's wildly in debt because of his manias. Um, yeah. So someone knocks on the door, and it's this. At first, they think, and uh, someone knocks on the door, and then falls flat on their doorstep. And they first they think it's an it's an it's an old woman, but the ball and chain falls out, and yeah, it's it's Toad. <laughs> I like how confident Toad is here until like. And, and so, like there's a knock on the door he's like oh, the police <laughs> me <laughs> afraid of the police <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> the police the police hide me hide me hide me rat and ratty's just so ready like no you need to you must pay your debt to society toad mm-hmm. i love this that's bit that's right gracie that is completely right of course <laughs> it's not the it's not the police it's it... ango saying it's my bad He's got news for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Toad he... Hall has been taken over by the Weasels. And Winky. Yeah, Winky is apparently the leader of the Weasels. And he yep. was the whole time he's got the deed. So he yep. really did trade Toad Hall. But how did Bat- McBadger not know about this? I thought he was basically living See, in Toad is, Hall. This is something I don't get. Why? <laughs> okay. okay, I am sorry. But there is <laughs> a point where like, the law is like, huh, I wonder where the deed is. Hmm. There seems to be all these weasels, and the guy that said that, that basically called out uh, Toadie is living in Toad Hall. What a strange coincidence. Did they, 
did they just like wait till Angus was like out with his badger family having Christmas dinner and then they just like, well, we have the deed and then they just moved into Toad Hall. So when Badger <laughs> yeah. happened to be going by, he saw that the weasels had taken over. I don't know. Probably. It's just like the whole thing is just like, wait, wouldn't that just prove like, yeah, he's innocent because guess who's living at Toad Hall now? Sure ain't in- 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 Ango. <laughs> so they realize they have to get the deed back in order to prove his innocence. Of course, this happens after Toad falls out of the Christmas tree onto McBadger. What a great yes. Christmas story. <laughs> this is a surprisingly good little little Christmas story, this part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um so uh yeah, so anyway, then the, it's it's all decided they are going to sneak into Toad Hall in the dead of night. Somehow, so that, somehow they were able to get the ball and chain off Toad off camera. Oh, actually, yeah, that's a really good point. It didn't... <laughs> and got him the change of clothes. Yeah, and the, yeah. Uh, and got him the change of clothes. So wow. Oh, well, um, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I look. Oh, so they're trying to like sneak past into Toad Hall by going into a secret passage on the river. Although I like the part. Was it like Toad was about to shoot one of the weasels? Oh, yeah, that's pop right. Off. Yeah, they're, oh, uh, they're uh, yeah they were uh, they were just kind of gliding under the bridge where uh, uh, a weasel is on guard with a rifle and everything, and he's like, "Careful, lads, there's a guard." And then this, a millisecond later, Toad has his own giant. Um, blunderbuss, and he's like, "Oh, pump him off!" And they're like, "No, no, no, stop!" And they, um, uh, they force his hand into the water, and it, and he shoots into the water. <laughs> and you know, the the weasel's like, "You know, who goes there?" And luckily, they make it out before he could ever notice it's them. It's nothing. It's nothing. But it's not nothing because he keeps looking, which is a really smart guard, by oh, the way. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Because that's how he discovers the secret passageway. Right. So, But they go to the secret passage. Toad's gun blast actually propelled the belt, the boat into this, like, river, secret river passage that leads to a back, a hidden entrance to Toad Hall. And when they go in through this panel, this, like, rotating panel, they find that all the weasels are passed out drunk. And this is another hilarious bit because you actually see... Some of the weasels are, you know, they're they're splayed out in different places around the room in these odd positions. And, like... I spotted two weasels that are like draped in the arms of women in the paintings. Like the paintings, the painted women are actually holding the weasels. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. That was funny. <laughs> so, uh, they, so uh, they try to think we need to get the deed. So they try to put, use Molly in that uh, Mission Impossible type style. Like um, uh, as he's trying to reach to grab the uh, deed. Accidentally falls on Winky's chest. That the deed's adorable. in Winky's pocket. Is yeah. in his coat pocket. That, that was like, an yeah. adorable moment where he starts cuddling Molly, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> he's asleep. Yeah. He just you know, puts his arm, and it keeps getting intercut with that that guard from the bridge slowly finding the secret passage, which is great. So there's some little bit of rising tension. Mm-hmm. So then, Molly gets the deed, and he's being lifted up, but that's exactly when the guard comes through the secret passage. Yes. And... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I was about to, I don't want to steal your thunder here, because this is about where all <laughs> hell breaks loose. That's right. Guard comes in. He notices that they have uh, 
well, that they have broken into Toad Hall this time. Yes. And so very quickly, Molly takes the paper and he starts running. Winky I'm... wakes up, tells the weasels to go get get him, no, you no, no, no. Hold and on, hold goes, on. There, is, there was a moment I noticed it for David. Like, he wakes up, Molly takes the deed, walks away, and then Winky starts searching. And it's like, oh, they have the deed. I'm like, did you not what? just see Molly <laughs> take it from you? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I guess he didn't. Um... All right, so then he wakes up all the weasels and he says, get him, you blokes! And then from that moment on, it's a chase. They are it's... running all over Toad Hall, up and down and all about. Um... It's absolute pandemonium, and it's a lot of fun to watch. It really is. It's much like much like the uh, Toad escaping from the police. It's it's all the kinetic police. energy. The police. It's all kinetic energy. There isn't a single pause uh, for anybody to catch a breath and it's just so high paced and it's really fun especially with the animation oh yeah there are several scenes where people almost die there's literally a part yeah. where, where where um uh winky has like a he at some point in this on all this chaos um he has an uh an old battle axe that he got probably from one of the suits of armor and he's got Molly on a block, and he's gonna straight up chop Molly's head off, and then Toad yeah. swings in on a chandelier and saves him. Yeah. Um, oh, and the way that they they manage to get the paper, they're most of the, most of the time it's them like exchanging the paper. It's going back and forth, and it will like get tossed away, and they'll chase it into another room, or they'll chase it under a rug, and it gets really silly, especially when it gets folded into a paper airplane. And then Toad starts throwing other papers into the fix, so they don't yeah, know which one right. is the deed. Again. The Toady is having a blast. Oh, Toady's having... He has the biggest smile on his face. I, the, okay, I gotta give props. They keep his character consistent. When he is in an adventurous, like, uh, situation or a situation where his adrenaline is up, he loves it. Although, I forgot to point out, I love Toad's bearing even when he's sad. Like, remember when he's saying he's going to be a repentant Toad in, in prison? And he does, yes. he strikes all these, like... Oh, like these noble, I'm a noble <laughs> suffering poses. Yes. He is animated, his personality just bleeds through, and it's so good. He's like, the, the poses he strikes when he's just, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, what a tragedy. He's he's all Shakespearean looking in this scene, and it's so good. But here, he's, yeah, the adventurous spirit has kicked in full blast, and he's just loving it we get yeah. more stylastic uh they do the i love the the whole gag it's like there's a secret wall that turns and it's like it's like okay we gotta get this way wait we gotta get mullen turns back around <laughs> mullen turns they're all red weasels are about to kill them they run into the wall they escape they don't have the deed but then toad produces it in a flourish you know what i'm starting to agree with basil rathbone here i can see why this is one of his favorite literary characters this version of toad is fantastic yeah. yeah this this the the kenneth graham version the original side character of toad mm. maybe not the maybe not the quite famous literary character but but the disney version of toad is is very adventurous and cool and fun mm -hmm. yeah so he's, he gets... he, he's certainly one of the most um uh, thespian dramatic disney characters that's been put on screen because like oh, yeah. david said even when he's in the lowest part of his life in prison he makes all those poses like oh look at me like he's just <laughs> 
Like he has his he has his wrists over his eyes and just like his hat his head is held high and tears are rolling down his face. He's like, "What is what am I to do?" You know, like that kind of stuff. He is the uh, he is a perpetual thespian. It's great. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then it ends. Uh, we, sorry, I just realized we jump ahead to New Year's New Year's Eve. Oh yeah, and then oh. they get Toad Hall back in. The, but here's the thing. It ends with him finding a new mania. He's he's flying uh, the Wright brothers' plane <laughs> with Cyril. Yeah. Yep, Cyril is still and encouraging up his there too. Yeah, he's still still encouraging his bad habits. <laughs> to the new year, to the new toad. At which point, all their glasses break as the airplane flies overhead, and he's yelling about all the good things he's gonna do. Yeah. And then that's the end of the wind in the willows. And then we were interrupted by Ben Crosby saying, well, that's how it is Well, here in the colonies, however. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm Bing, and I'm, I'm here to remind you that, oh, well, that Jay Thaddeus, he sure is a lot of fun. But uh, let's talk about Daniel Boone, Black Bart, and Johnny Appleseed. David, Paul David Crockett. America now. John Henry. And, of course, Bob Bunyan. <laughs> but let's talk about the real good one, the one that everybody should know about, because it is awesome. His favorite literary character is apparently Ichabod Crane. Yeah. Sleepy Hollow. Okay. Real quick, though. <laughs> Real quick, though. I know we want to move on. We got stuff to do. But I, I will. I just want to tip my hat to the Toad short again and say how good it was. But uh, but this is where the meat of the short is for yeah, me. Because I watched this one alone every Halloween. It is so good. As a kid. And it it, so I love disney's sleepy hollow first off it is really it, great it is weirdly weirdly close to the story how it's written like it's weirdly yeah. faithful it takes liberties but then again you can easy, easy to take liberties with uh, washington irving's work because well, well, it's more of a journalistic thing than it is yeah, a. But, but look at this way they make the way that ichabod crane is described in a book that's how he looks like in in the movie the yeah. fact that he is greedy is appears in the movie. Yeah, that's retained, which you don't really see in that kind of adaptation. I mean, that's and, true. And the Especially horse, these days. The yeah. horse that he rides that's kind of like a gunpowder. <laughs> it's in the movie. It's I, I'm surprised. No, yeah, the characters yeah. are all are all adapted incredibly faithfully. This is a very good. It's it's it, mm, okay. We have to start at the beginning. Okay. First of all, before we okay. The colors in this. Oh my god, the colors. Oh in yeah, this. that's right. Gorgeous. The backgrounds are. Mm. Mm -hmm. it's I so think good. this is basically where Mary Blair's artwork especially shines because if you look at the textures of the trees and the autumn leaves and 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 the uh, and the buildings and the way that they're stylized and the colors that go with them, you know, it really shows that Mary. This is one of Mary Blair's absolute best and she's done a lot of uh notable notable uh disney works around this era like um alice in wonderland and peter pan and stuff like that and this is a really great ex another great example of her amazing um artist work oh no doubt i mean the the whole film like the colors and the angles of the backgrounds they just scream fall and scream colonial like the colonial era but there's a whimsicalness to them mm -hmm. and yeah. even when scenes are dark and eerie which you get a couple times which I, one interesting thing is we get the 
the lead-in where we get the you know view up the Hudson River Valley as Bing does. And by the way, Bing is a Bing Crosby does a fantastic job with the narration in this one. He does. Yeah. I, I was really impressed by the narration by him. <clears throat> but but we 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 the only hint that we get that this is going to be a story because originally in the original story, um, we find out about the headless horseman pretty much right off the bat, and then and they tell us all about the headless horseman, and then it goes into Ichabod's story. But here we don't even get the headless horseman until near the end. Yeah. The, the only hint that we have is something sinister is going to happen. Is Bing's mentioned that the the hollow abounds with haunted spots, twilight tales, and local superstitions, and then we move on mm-hmm. and we talk about Ichabod. Yeah. Which I think is kind of a neat way to do it. We we save the headless horseman till the end, like even the yeah. mention of him until the end. It's it's a nice way to set the mood for what'll happen later. It's kind of like it's kind of like the proverbial way of saying, you know, okay, so this sto- this place is most infamously known for all these scary stories that happen over here, and there is one in particular, and I'm going to tell it to you right now. So if you bear with me, it'll get scary, and mm-hmm. you'll see, and you'll see why. So and then, but for now, we're going to talk about Ichabod Crane and how he got there and what his life was like there for as long they- as he. The people say his melancholy spirit still haunts the region. That's the only reference we get to that, too. The the prospect that Ichabod's ghost might still be around. That's right. And I love how his shadow, we see his shadow before we see Ichabod striding along. And the music here is great, too. It matches his step. The The character design for Ichabod is fantastic. This uh, yeah. This short is much more musical than the Winded in the Willows one. Well, because they yeah. got Nate Crosby. Well, yeah. yeah <laughs> they got to use them to their advantage. Basil Rathbone isn't a musical guy where Bing Crosby has like is an amazing crooner. So yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, yeah. Which, which we should talk about because the thing that sets this this section apart from the Wind in the Willows is where. The Wind in the Willows, it had a cast of several people. The Legend of Sleepy Hollow is pretty much a one-man show here. You have Bing Crosby as not only the narrator, but he's also representing the voice of Ichabod and Brom Bones. And really, those are the that's that's the only voice that you hear outside of like a little, you know, yoo-hoo from uh, Katrina Van Tassel. And a few, a few of the like singing voices of the of the uh, the women of the hollow. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It happens occasionally. Um, yeah. it, this is uh, it's it's interesting. And the other thing too is like other than than Bing's narration and a few of the songs, the majority of the story is told uh, silently. None of the characters really have dialogue, mm-hmm. unlike the previous short. So it's a nice that's, contrast. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I always, um, I, I always like it when stories do that, where it's just like you don't really need dialogue to carry a mood. Uh, you, I don't know. I just like it when that happens. No, me too. I mean, that's one of the reasons that the first, um, like, 20, 30 minutes or so of WALL-E are so good, in my opinion. Yeah. Because um, yeah. it's pretty much a story told with visuals and little dialogue. Um, mm. That's true of the entirety of Sleepy Hollow. The, the visuals and the, the, the gags and the... Art and the music well, tell the story. Crosby Ellen... Still narrates throughout it, but um, it just kind of he he basically says stuff to like set the set the tone, and then the rest of it is done musically. Right. Yeah. Um. So I'm not sure if I should drop this fast fact. You know, I'll wait till the end. I'll wait till the end to talk about okay. it. Okay. But re- remind me at the end. I, there's something important I have to tell you about Ub Iwerks. All right. Oh, I know what you're getting. Yeah, say. there's something important I have to mention about Ub. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Okay. 
But right. yeah, so Ichabod comes to town, and then we we meet Brom Bones right away, who comes riding in and is is makes his makes his sort of boisterous, sort of almost folk hero uh, thing known. And um, and yes, Brom Bones is basically the main influence for Gaston. Yeah. <laughs> Brom is a much nicer character than than Gaston. Definitely, yeah. I mean, as you much can... as as much as he's he's a jealous, angry person, he's not a villain. I don't think Brom is a villain. Yeah, he's just kind of like the uh, the um, the uh, I guess the jock type is a good word for it. Where it's like he's he is shown off to be the uh, like I don't know. Like he does, you do see him try to like beat up Ichabod for a couple of times, but right. you know he's not really scheming anything at least not until when we get close to the end but even well, then is, it's, it's just kind of like uh you know ooh, i'm gonna scare him good you know yeah but, but i'm jumping ahead i'm jumping ahead. right 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 so the thing with the thing with brahm is brahm is just feeling threatened because he's dealing with a it's it's the classic rustic outdoorsman well i mean it's the, it's the archetype of the rustic outdoorsman versus the uh the yankee mm-hmm. you know the incoming yankee and uh so here comes Ichabod into town. He he sees we the first time we see Ichabod is through the bottom of uh, Brahms' beer stein. <laughs> yeah, well, the first time Brahms sees Ichabod, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get the first song, just titled Ichabod Crane. Yeah, and the lyrics are pretty much t- the lyrics of this song are really fun because they pretty much yeah, they talk about uh, like. Oh, who's that? Who is that? Uh, look, that guy looks like a scarecrow, or um, y- you know, I... <laughs> he has shovels for feet. Yeah, <laughs> but 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 they all talk about how he's like he. There's something about him that's really intriguing. Like despite the fact that he's a really odd-looking fellow, he's got an air about him that's well, that's that's fascinating. The, he, he spends time with all the ladies because they feed him, and then not only that. Uh, as a result, he's he's so charming, like he oh, and he has the voice of an angel, which basically it's because he's he's voiced by Bing Crosby. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I can <laughs> and I could totally see it too. Like hearing Bing's voice coming out of Ichabod is actually not that surprising for some reason. Yeah. Um. Now, <laughs> or at least with Bing's singing voice. Yeah. <laughs> He could have um, sounded like this when he talked, for all we know. But then when he sang, it started to woo the ladies over like crazy. You know? I love that moment. Where, uh, are we at that oh, point yeah. where we can talk about um, that scene in particular? Almost. I mean, we. I, I feel like we're really piecemealing every scene. We don't necessarily have to, but I just... I want to talk about this short so I much. I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, we get he he becomes he's as established that he's the schoolmaster. It established it's established that he's he's kind to his pupils because he wants to uh, you know he wants to be on good terms with them, especially if their mothers happen to be good cooks. So they they're quickly pointing out that he's not necessarily a, a, a hugely noble character himself, but he gets by. Like yeah. he and Brahm are, are both have their vices in different ways. In fact, mm-hmm. when you really think about it, none of the characters in this are entirely good. <laughs> no, not really, no. So, um, he gets to he he smells a very delicious looking 
turkey. He writes in bed at night talking about what he does. But yeah, we can jump ahead to that scene. Let's talk about let's talk about the singing okay. lesson. Yes, please. So, um, pretty much, this is another way of establishing Ichabod. Um, uh, pretty much living around this town as a uh, music teacher. And so basically he's got three of the town's ladies and uh, they sing this little ditty, uh, which is basically um, a Disney's method to work in Bing Crosby's crooning into, <laughs> <laughs> into this story. But in a way, it really works because like we said before, this would be uh, their their way of Ichabod swooning to the girls. And like, they're swooning, all right. Oh, oh yeah. my God. They're like leaning on the piano. They faint a couple times. It's really funny. What's really great is uh, at, at this is the point where we see Brom pull his first prank because he gets the dog. He's outside and he gets the, the dog to howl while Ichabod is singing. And for some reason, the women take this as a really particularly impressive note and they all, they all collapse. And yeah. he looks confused. He doesn't realize what's happened. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but then he just, he, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, he's checking his throat and his shirt and everything. Me, 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 <laughs> And then he, I love how he just grabs a salad and starts eating while he steps over the bodies of the fainted women. <laughs> just chilling out. Um, I will say that of these three, these three women, we do see, um, the, the short kind of stocky one. She yeah. becomes a recurring character in this story. She does. Yeah. She's great. And then he's like, oh, everything would have been great. And then his path was crossed by a woman, a certain woman. And we meet the third terrible person in this story, Katrina Van Tassel. <laughs> the one thing I just like, it's like, and she was as plum as a player. No, she's not. Her waist is uh, is almost as skinny as Ichabod Crane's. <laughs> Imagine, though, if you unhook that corset she's wearing, she would just balloon out. Like, it would just be... Like, oh, my God. <laughs> It'd be an explosion. She's compressed that far. Um, but yeah, she and Baltus Van Tassel, we get the Katrina song. They're out on a picnic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, they explain that she's a coquette, which is her big vice. She likes to lead people on. Basically, she right. likes getting the attention of men. Just like, ooh, yes, pay attention to me. Tell me that you love me. Pretty much, yeah. So, um, yeah, so this scene, this scene's also pretty funny. I love the bit at the end. Ichabod's on a picnic with that, that, that woman we described earlier. And when Katrina comes by, he's 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 entranced. And yeah. she grabs his coat, pulls him down, and he sits on a cake that they have set up. He puts the chicken, he puts like a roast chicken on his head and starts eating his hat. That's how distracted he is. Yeah. <laughs> and I love the bit after this where he's daydreaming in the schoolhouse oh, while yeah. the kids are just oh, throwing. Oh, yeah. The kids is daydreaming of her. Mm-hmm. And... He's not just interested in Katrina for her looks. He he she he's looking forward to inheriting the the Van Tassel farm and all the wealth that comes with it. Yeah, like he's thinking of the uh, of the of the cabbage patch, and when the camera zooms in on the cabbage, it turns into dollar bills. That part or, was uh, great. Yeah, or or um, when he's thinking about uh, the 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 wheat. All of all of the week kind of turns into gold coins, and it all rains down in a big pile. Again, he is a greedy bastard. Yeah, well, he is. Especially think about the bit where he he's like he's well, the old goat can't take it with him, and he just 
when you see Baltus Van Tassel smoking, he disappears with all his jewelry and his pipe remains, and then Ichabod fades into his place wearing the same jewelry and holding yeah. the same pipe. You're awful. This You're is an a... awful human being, Ichabod. This is another thing I really got to give this adaptation for. It was incredibly faithful. Like, if this was yeah. made today, they could have easily made Ichabod um, probably hot-looking, first of all. And they would have. they would have probably... And they might cast Bill. Johnny Depp as Ichabod Crane, yeah, but that would be really weird. <laughs> no one would do that in a movie. would have been really weird. But anyway, it'd be almost uh, as weird as if you cast Christopher Walken as the headless horseman. But <laughs> <laughs> wow! Wow! <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, anyway uh, Christopher, Christopher Walken as the headless horseman is amazing. Yeah, yeah, he is. That'll be wow. different. That's a different podcast for sure. Oh, but yes, it is. <laughs> but I'm sorry, um, Nick, you were trying to say. Yeah, no, it's fine. What I was trying to say was that they probably would have made him just an innocent guy, and that was it. Um, but they really kept him, you know, a bit, a bit of a, a bit of a greedy guy here. They, they really you know? did. They really did. Which, he... which I have to admire them for. Yeah, I like that. I like. I actually really love the bit where I don't know how he does this, but he's leaning with his feet up on the like the the teacher's desk, and somehow yeah. he's able to lean up and grab this illusion of Katrina. I'm like, that takes some dexterity. If you look really at the pose when he does it, it's so awkward, and he but yet he's able to do it. It's, he's just he he starts making out with his feather duster, which it, he sneezes into. Um, yeah, and then we get the. The, the lead into, I think, one of the better slapstick bits in this movie. Oh, yeah. Which is where Brom and, Brom and Ichabod start their formal rivalry over Katrina in a the, series the, of the, goofy... I, I kind of like this whole idea, like, Ichabod, this sort of, like, uh, uh, Wiley Coyote and... Um, Roadrunner? Uh, Roadrunner sort of thing. With the, oh, my God. Ichabod is Roadrunner. Uh, Ichabod would be the road. He even takes off running fast like the Roadrunner. Exactly. He does, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, he's. It's a, a lot of it just starts with Brom chasing off Katrina's prospective, like, suitors. and and uh, mm. But then Ichabod walks in and, uh, you know, offers to carry Katrina's groceries. Yeah. And then yeah. it turns into a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Did uh in fact my favorite was when um all the stuff is dropped and Brahm is buried underneath it. Oh and yeah. It just kinda like, Well, I guess I'll go and I guess I'll go and get all the stuff. And so when he goes over there, he's like picking up all of these different items, especially like these uh, potatoes and these berries. So he goes many over potatoes. to this pile of Yeah. He goes over to this pile of flour and he picks up what he thought it was a berry, but it was really Brahm's nose. And so oh, I, thought, just... I thought it was a potato. I thought he thought it was a potato. Yeah. Oh, for all we know, it could have been. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. For all he... Well, that makes it funnier than what I bring it out to be. But anyway, <laughs> uh, he like he uncovers the flower, and Brom is raging underneath it. But what's you funny see Brom's before... eyes? They're all red. Yeah, they're all red and and stuff, and he's rumbling. But then, like. Ichabod takes the the flower and he buries his face in it again and like gives it a nice pat before he before he goes away. At, at which point Brahm erupts and it's awesome. I this this scene is so funny. I, I don't want to even like break it down because I feel like people should just watch it if they haven't oh, seen honestly, it. Honestly, yes. 
I really love I, the bit where. I think this is this is where I think the, the the lack of dialogue actually shines, especially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Oliver Wallace's music also uh, reigns supreme in this yeah. scene. Big props to Oliver Wallace. The music is 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 the this music has stuck with me like through the years. I still think of it sometimes. Yeah. Um, but, but, but yeah, uh, I think my, one of my favorite parts in this scene is right after, um, when Ichabod, like Brahm's trying to pull the door open, this is, or this is after he, Ichabod slams the door in his face on act without realizing it. He dives back through Brahm's trying to open the upper door and Ichabod just walks through the lower door crouched over and he just tips it. He's got his face buried in a book, but his free hand tips his hat up at Brahm as he walks away <laughs> underneath yeah. Brahm. I love it. It's so funny. And then, of course... Yeah, sorry. No, I was just going to say he's all short and stuff. Yeah, and when when, when Brom grabs his ponytail, his legs keep walking, and he just... He actually re-elongates to his proper length. That's Um, so funny. And I also really like the bit where uh, he throws... uh, He picked... He stops... Ichabod is feeling good about his prospects with Katrina. He, He... crouches to pick up a horseshoe and Brahma was chasing him from behind dives over him lands in a well and as Ichabod walks away whistling and Brahm comes up uh Ichabod throws the horseshoe over his shoulder real casually and it hits Brahm in the head and then we get this great bit where he sees he's he's disoriented so he sees he sees double he sees two Ichabods skipping along whistling in duet and it's it's yeah. actually sounds really good <laughs> it is really good yeah yeah uh, um, such a good, such a good example of Di- uh, Disney slapstick in the old days. Yeah, and, and I mean it continues because uh, I mean Katrina von Tassel has her party, and then the it, it continues with the the dancing with between Brahm and and then he brings in the short lady. Oh yeah, uh, Katrina and uh, oh yeah, Ichabod are dancing, and Ichabod's of course a great dancer, but <laughs> I I was joking with David because uh. Brom's like, ooh, maybe I could switch partners with uh, with uh, Ichabod to dance with this sh- short woman as I dance with Katrina. And then the short yeah. woman is just basically jumping up and down, like, uh, <laughs> like all excitedly. I'm like, David, that's how I dance when I'm next to you. <laughs> I just jump down, down and I'm like, hee-hee, hee-hee, hee It's really adorable. <laughs> I would dance with the short lady. Mm-hmm. She you seems did. like she'd be a lot of fun. Like, really short, like... Yeah, she's so short. Um, it's a really cute. I love this scene. So, so we're to, to to. By the way, interestingly enough, so our first our first uh, short had a little bit to do with Christmas and New Year's Eve. This one's all about Halloween. Yeah, that yeah, uh, I I noticed that too. It's like, it's a oh. it's a Halloween party. There's jack o' lanterns and pumpkins everywhere, and uh, and they uh, and this dance happens, and everyone's having a good time. I love the bit where Brom tries to open a trap door to the cellar. And Ichabod dances over it, so he pulls it open, and then Ichabod dances to the edge of it, doesn't even fall in, and then when the the woman Just bursts missed. back in, yeah. he falls in. Ah, oh, so good. <laughs> we have nothing but praise for this one. Yeah, I have no criticisms. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, we gotta continue. We gotta okay. continue. Okay, okay. So, gotta... Brom realizes... And this is... Oh, go ahead. This is where things get good. That's all I gotta yeah. say. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they, get, they, were, they were good before, but this is when things get really, really good. So, Brom this is where they get off the chain! 
Yes. <laughs> so Brom discovers uh, that Ichabod is superstitious because uh, uh, Ichabod actually spills salt and then he's like, <gasps> and throws it over his shoulder. Uh, and Brom's like, I have an idea. And then his croony Ben Crosby voice sings about the Headless Horseman. And I have, I actually have some information about this song, by the way. Uh-huh. All right. First off, um, The Headless Horseman is considered one of the darkest songs written for a Disney film. And it was nearly cut. Ooh. Like That would have been a tragedy. Yeah. But then not oh, only that, I, I, uh, David already knows this. I'm not sure if you know this, Nick. Thurl Ravenscroft was originally going to sing it. And it actually can be heard. Like, you can actually listen to it on YouTube and such. That's right, yeah. It was um, in the... Uh... Uh, it was in the old, like, uh, record story uh, album. Well, Disney <laughs> Records Archive Collection Volume 1. I have it written down. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's, I, I have that version it, of my iPod, actually. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, that, does, that shouldn't surprise me. It does a little bit, but it really, actually, it doesn't, now that I think about it. No, that seems like the kind of thing you'd have on your iPod, Nick. Okay. And yeah. then after this amazing song, which I love. Get, get, look at, what? You want to? Go ahead. Mm, it's so good. Um, <laughs> I like how this song omits the fact that the he the well yeah I, it it gets it's short sweet to the point it describes a very scary ghost and by the way this establishes I think canon that people have accepted that wasn't in uh, Irving's original story which was that the horseman is seeking a new head and he will take anybody's head that he'll come across. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. in, in the other one, it's kind of unam- it's kind of ambiguous. What does the horseman actually do? We don't know. I, this gives him a new level of menace. Yeah. And while granted, some of the uh, ambiguity of the horseman had to be um, scratched just a little bit, it does justify why he's out and about. So it's yeah. not like the ambiguity is kind of lost, but not to a point where it's like... Like annoying, I guess. I don't know. Maybe oh, yeah. that's not the right. Use, no, it's fine. It establishes new. It establishes the lore and keeps it straight and keeps it working with the short. And also, the song is just really good and catchy. And it's a great. Yeah. Uh, again, I, I I play it. I play it on my October playlists. Oh so. yeah, we've we've Same done here. this on the. Yeah. So it's it's good. And then yeah, I guess we'll jump ahead. The the, the story does doesn't really worry. This version doesn't really worry about. Um, what happens between Katrina and Ichabod. It just... Yeah. We jump ahead to the great, great bit where Ichabod is riding through the woods making his way home, and I am just in love with the this backgrounds of this scene. This is the incredible scene. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. It, it manages to be both creepy and funny at the same time, and I love it. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, it's good. Uh, okay, so... Uh, what happens is, is that we get this incredible sweeping shot of the hollow that Ichabod has to ride through to get to make his way back home. And it's all quiet. There's at first there isn't really any music at all, just Ichabod whistling in the in the dark. And uh, he's writing gunpowder. And now and again, he thinks he hears some things. The wind is giving him chills. And then there's this incredible shot of when he looks up in the sky and this <laughs> this cloud shaped like a hand is covering the moon. 
and all the stars are disappearing and he looks back at the hollow and uh, the forest, as Bing puts it, it, it seems to close in behind him. And then you start to feel everything that Ichabod is feeling about Brahm's story. What if, what if what he said was true? And even if it wasn't, then, you know, somehow I still feel creeped out by this. We all feel this way no matter where we are. Oh, no um, doubt. Whether we're walking through the woods um, at night or even if we're in our own house in the dark, even though the environment is – we know it, somehow the darkness makes it more like uneasy and we think that something is around the corner. And they hit the nail on the head with this animation because, like I, like I said, we feel every sense of fear and doubt and panic that Ichabod is going through as he keeps on trudging through the woods. And it's and just it's great. so good. Yeah, it's great because the tension is is there. But, I mean, we we know it. It's animated, and it's like, okay, but you, you really kind of get immersed in this very, this very whimsical but dark atmosphere. And then, of course, you have these moments, like the great use of the, of the sound and the tension slowly building. I know I've thought about this, like, Every so often in the distance a couple times this happens, you hear a voice that might be human, but might be a thing just go, oh. Yeah. yeah. But the way it's done way off in the distance is, is very eerie. It is so and, good. Um, and then, uh, well, first Ichabod gets his, um, does he get the jump scare with the tree? Yeah, he gets the jump scare yes. with the tree. Mm-hmm. There's a hollow tree with some fireflies in it that looks kind of like a, a hooded specter that's leering out at him. Yeah. But it turns out it's just fireflies. But right after he has that, he starts hearing the animals. And he thinks the animals are saying his name. He thinks the crickets are chirping his name. There's an owl. And uh, there's a frog that sounds like it's going, Endless horseman. Endless yeah. horseman. Endless horseman. Ichabod's going mad. <laughs> Every little sound freaks him out. And then, then it, it just get, it escalates. He's, he's freaking himself out. And then when he realizes, there's a point where he realizes, okay... This is all just a joke, and he and the horse are laughing, and then... Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they rode into a graveyard. Yeah. And he, he I love this bit, because he's, he's freaking out. He rides through a cobweb, and then he you see him, like, galloping. He's acting like he's galloping, but you it pans out, and Gunpowder's just sitting on a tombstone. He realizes that galloping he's hearing is coming from somewhere behind him, mm-hmm. and he freaks out. But it's actually just cattails hitting a stump <laughs> in the wind. And when he realizes that, he grabs him and just starts laughing. And his laugh is weirdly like maniacal. Well, it's that. But have you? Did you notice that he has a weird like like uh, delay effect, like echo effect on his oh, laugh? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I always wondered about that. Like why he has that, but Cyril doesn't. Uh, oh, not Cyril. Cyril. Okay, similar horse. Powder. They're both similar kind of scraggy looking horses. <laughs> then we get. Oh, Ichabod, What's your problem? No. Come on, let's bring <laughs> amazing character. Let's bring in the best character. Let's face it. Then we're introduced to the Headless Horseman. Wow. Even in the short time he's in there, God, it's so good. What a dramatic entrance. I know. Um, it's appropriate for this character who's been built up so much. God. Guys, if you were it's held, were like put back by uh, Nick doing his like uh, laugh in the beginning, ten times that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I can't do it justice, man, because it's... You did a damn good job. Oh, my God. Like... 
Oh, well, thanks, I guess. But, oh, my God. Okay, so real quick, the way that it's set up. So, yeah, you hear Ichabod and his horse laughing for a while, which is which is kind of funny. It kind of eases you up because then it gets you kind of laughing nervously too. And then all of a sudden you just hear this, <laughs> like right next to him. And then and they snap out of it and they're like, oh, shit, what was that? And then they look over and it's the Headless Horseman. He's leaning back. He's got his pumpkin in hand with a giant sword and Ichabod and Cyril are screaming for dear life, and then the chase begins, and it's uh, great chasing. Guys, you guys great. take it from here. I can't put right. it into better. Okay, you got you got it right though. I, I, I also I planted the Cyril seed in your head, so now we're just gonna call Gunpowder Cyril for the rest of this. So Cyril and Ichabod are <laughs> they're, they're, they're wait. Did I call? Cousins. Did I call the horse? Cyril? You did. You did. I, I infected <laughs> you. I'm so sorry. Yeah, okay. No, it's okay. okay. No, it's all good. There, this, I, mm, this is where the animation shines at its. I just ah. Uh, so this chase, the the horseman is animated exquisitely. The way his cape moves, the way the shadows move across him. How does he laugh without a head? How does he laugh from his neck? I don't know. We never figure that out. But there's my favorite scene is when they're riding together in through the um, trees. Ichabod like falls down a hill, but the horseman jumps. And he's, for a moment, it's just him and the horse in the sky, like, framed against yeah. the moon. Oh, yeah, both yeah. of you and I were like, oh, my God. Like, and I... the music does this, like, doo-doo, doo-doo. It's, oh, it's so, it's, yeah, that is yeah. the most iconic image in there to me of the horseman just being framed against the Guys, moonlight. if you're just going to watch one part from this whole movie, just watch that. I mean, you should watch the whole thing, honestly, but that... That's the best part of the whole. Yeah, the, that scene is the best part of this whole movie. <laughs> um, really. Now, now before we before we move on too much, I have a key question for both of you. Mm-hmm. Okay. In the original story, it's implied that Brom Bones could have been the Horseman. It could have been Brom. Brom it could have been Brom pulling a prank the whole time. Mm-hmm. Here, it doesn't seem. It seems less ambiguous. This is definitely a ghost chasing Ichabod. The reason yeah. why it's not it, it's less ambiguous is because, uh, um, Ichapod actually looks into his neck hole and see, screams and sees nothing. I and think, the neck hole laughs at him too. Yeah, like we don't know what Ichabod sees, but here's the thing yeah. though: I think it's still Brom because even at, I mean, he's someone who's created the whole idea. He it could easily be him on the horse, and then not only that. I mean, in the ending, it is shown like, oh, there's rumors that Ichabod remarried and blah blah blah. But it's more nice to hear that he was killed by the horseman. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's it's glossed over a little more here than it is in the story where the ambiguity there's it's a little more ambiguous. Um, But I I just wondered, like Nick, what do you think? Do you think it could in this context it could still be Brom, or do you think it's actually a, a the headless horseman? Um, because he still they still find only a shattered pumpkin where yeah Ichabod mm-hmm. was when it when at the beginning it looks like he's holding a flaming skull like you actually in that first shot where you see him rearing up it the silhouette looks more skull like yeah well I think the most popular claim is that he really was um killed off by the horseman. Mm-hmm. And uh, there have been times where I've watched it again, and I and I would like to think that when he looked down into the um, 
into the neck hole that he saw Brom. But I don't know. I really. No, I don't. I don't think he saw Brom. I think uh, Brom's head was completely covered, so it just looked completely black in there. Yeah. Um. I mean, this is another thing. If this was shown, if this was made today, then they probably would have given us a straight answer, either that he did make it out alive, which explains why we see him with like this new family or whatever, mm-hmm. or that, or they probably would have just shown him, like I don't know, like this big sweep, and then all of a sudden he's gone. Which yeah. is basi- which is basically what this one does anyway. There, um, there is a third option: is that he is real and basically scared Ichabod away so much he was like done, and then it actually does have a new family. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. it's possible. There's, there's a compromise. Mm-hmm. Something. Now we never we never do see Ichabod again though. He's he's he is hit by the pumpkin in a very dramatic. Uh, the the pumpkin's coming right at the screen shot oh yeah after after he tries to cross the the old covered bridge uh, mm-hmm. but yeah. Brom ends up marrying uh katrina because ichabod's gone who who by the way seems to be totally unfazed that ichabod is gone yeah because she's a coquette and doesn't care oh, right. she's been playing it she wants she wants to make Brom jealous that was her whole goal right and now it <laughs> and, and it worked out it worked they got together they're married. Yeah. Once, yeah. once that's resolved, though, the short pretty much wraps up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. It just Still. ends. It just ends with Bing Crosby going. You know, who knows? He may have been spirited away by the headless horseman, and it ends with him laughing. And then the book closes, and we get one more refrain of the headless horseman song. Camera zooms out. The uh, window with the candle and the book uh that light goes away and we hear Bing Crosby go man I'm getting out of here and that's the <laughs> end of the movie yay uh, again, and uh, with that ends the chapter of our lives that has to do with package films yes thank god yes oh, okay I okay I think I think we've made it clear we really like this film. I love this one yeah this we one really is... like this one this is definitely the best of the package films but I'm not gonna lie. I'm so glad we're done. I'm so glad we're done. I cannot wait for Cinderella next month. You have no idea. Actually, next month yeah. marks our one year anniversary doing this podcast too. Woo! We've made it <laughs> for one whole year. Oh my god. So I'm I, obviously I'm feeling the room here, but of the two of the two stories featured in here, I think we're all Ichabod. we all think that Ichabod is the, the strongest. Ichabod. Yeah, Ichabod it's Ichabod. Mm-hmm. So. Would you say that between J. Thaddeus Toad and Ichabod Crane, the stronger literary figure here is... <laughs> well, well actually, that's a... Mm, you okay, so I think J. Thaddeus Toad is actually the more interesting character out of all, everyone in the stories. Like, he has played very well. The story for... The, the story of Sleepy Hollow and how it's done in the animation is just perfect. Ichabod is still yeah. a very interesting character, I think, Toadie is much more, is although a lot more fun to watch than Ichabod. Yeah. True, true. Yeah. But uh, altogether, yeah. yeah, the the Sleepy Hollow is still damn good. Yeah, Ichabod. Uh, well, like like we kept on mentioning before, you know, he has all of these intentions that may seem good at first, but when you really look at it, he's really kind of a greedy bastard. Because uh, when <laughs> Jay that Toad 
when he comes up, he's certainly a bit more likable than Ichabod is. Um, it's true. So, yeah, so there's that. Uh, the other thing, too, is that um, I think the reason why they decided to pair up um, the Wind in the Willows and Sleepy Hollow in this package film, outside of just the timing of the production of the both of them, was that they're both classic stories and they both kind of work off of each other because of how interestingly different they are, if that makes sense. It does. You're getting the package film effect of having different kinds of stories. And that even the even the like the way the backgrounds are done, the way that they're presented, everything is different. So you get these two nice com- comparing but contrasting bits of animation. So Yeah. And so- somehow they work really well together. They really do. Um now the remember when I mentioned Ub Iwerks? Yes. So this um so he was involved in this and obviously at a certain point there had been a little bit of a falling out between he and Walt that was eventually patched up. But at the time, um, about maybe 15 years before this one, mm-hmm. I think around there, um, I works at his own Sleepy Hollow cartoon. It's uh, not as good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, I still like, it was simply called The Headless Horseman. It was only maybe, what, seven, eight minutes long? It was only eight minutes yeah. long. It's not that long. And you could tell it's like, it's definitely an Ub works in uh, animation. It's, it's there are parts of it that are definitely of it's it. kind of racist yeah it is it is i'm not <laughs> yeah no it is <laughs> i do there's things about it i do kind of like and it's an interesting little piece of animation history just to see it um it's like another one where the story is pretty much told without dialogue again which i think yeah. is kind of neat so that's that just shows that sleepy hollow lends itself well to that um when you see the headless horseman in that he looks very much more like um, Revolutionary War-esque. You could see the figure has yeah. epaulets on his shoulders, and he's carrying a bayonet on a rifle instead of a sword. So I thought that was yeah. kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I mean, I would say if you want to find it, it's on YouTube. It's easy enough to look up. Just look up Up Iwerks Headless Horseman, um, and uh, you just give yourselves a little little treat there, just to see the. And then you could compare it to this one and see how much of a leap this is. But I mean, I don't dislike it. Despite the racist caricatures, <laughs> but I mean, they're still very painfully racist caricatures. So yeah, mm-hmm. it was a different time. It was a different time. But anyway, it, um, uh, but anyway, yeah, I think we're 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 pretty much done, so we can wrap up. Yeah. And uh, Nick, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank Do you, you have any plugs before we uh, end this thing? Uh, pretty much everything that was in the intro, <laughs> but. No. Uh, I'll do this uh, quickly once again. So I do the Haunted Mansion show, which is on the Mice Chat YouTube page. It's also on the website. I have my own Disney podcast called Main Street Station to walk through the Disney parks. It is still a work in progress, but I'm working on it. Um, I also have my own YouTube channel, which is just Nicholas Barbera. My other one, which is Nick the Ghost Host 999. That's Nick the Ghost Host 999. Pretty much on both of those channels, I'm uploading my own stuff just for for fun and amusement. So, who's that? Fantastic. All right. Well, um, for as for me and Kayla, well, you know where to find us. Hey, if you like what we're doing here, uh, go ahead and give us a little, you know, 
maybe a, a rating and review on iTunes, whatever you think is fair. Or it's Apple Podcasts now, isn't it? Yeah, yes, it Apple. is. More like poisoned apple podcasts. <laughs> don't 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 diss them. They're the that's how we that's where we get most of our fan base from. I think most of our fan base does come from some of our other podcasts that we do, though, Kayla, because I think we a lot of people know those ones. Yeah, UCA, <laughs> Midnight Marinara, Darkly Lit, and to an extent, the Artistry. That's true. true. Yeah. So, thank you for listening, and. Uh, Watch as we jump up in joy with Lee as we review Cinderella next month. Next month, Cinderella, our one-year anniversary. Will the plummet counter be set up again? Who knows? We'll find out. <laughs> Until then, watch your heads, everybody. You never know when uh, someone's going to come looking for it. Particularly a guy with a horse. Named Cyril. <laughs> Man, I'm getting out of here. Okay, try it now. Is it working yeah, now? Okay, move over. <clears throat> People of Earth, I am Abysme. And I'm Paprika. We have crash landed on a moon in your solar you system. Us. I wasn't Shut driving. up, I'm on the phone. And we'll maintain this frequency while repairs are made. Which could take a while, so we decided to read some science fiction while we wait. If you crave imaginative stories, intelligent discussion, and comedic banter, be sure to tune in each week. Here on Benview or on YouTube at Raygun Readers. Until we speak again, farewell and safe travels. Why are you doing that stupid voice? It's not stupid, you're stupid and insubordinate. You don't rank me! This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BendUNetwork.com.